Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the F. No, it's Cues of the Force, Questions of the Force. We can say full words. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. Questions of the F could work as well on a different <laughs> podcast feed, but we've got A's for your cues here today. That's right. Welcome to the F stands for family friendly, right? Cues uh, of the Force. As always, today's family friendly Force episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend 
Path to Deceit uh, by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland. A great High Republic adventure we'll be diving into eventually. If you want to be all caught up with us and listen to the story, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. Now, uh, we recommend a Star Wars audiobook on almost every episode of Force Center. So I know for regular listeners, it might get to be like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we heard. We, we know about the audiobooks. Um, I've been doing some of the financial back-end work of uh, Force Center and uh, just wanted to throw it out there again that, hey, this really helps us. <laughs> if you... um. If you're interested, if you want to try it out, it's a free audiobook and it really honestly, sincerely makes a difference. It can add up fast and, and make a big difference. So if you're at all curious uh, and want to check out one of these audiobooks, it does help us. Uh, Ken, we do have another ask. Speaking of helping us, we'd love you to yeah, help us on YouTube. We're trying to grow over there as we put some energy into YouTube. You know, 2022, 2023, YouTube's been around long enough. It seems like it's going to stick around. We're having a lot of fun over there. we got some new shows coming uh, figure fights. Uh, we got some four center essays, more live shows. And because of all this, we're asking you to help us get to 7,000 subscribers. That's our next kind of plateau. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. So if you want to consider uh, helping us head on over to YouTube, you don't even have to watch the videos, just subscribe, give us a thumbs up, give us a, a notification bell hit and uh, help us uh, grow the channel over there on YouTube. Excellent. Yes, we are very, we had, in fact, we talked a bunch about some stuff that has come to YouTube right before we recorded this episode. So uh, if I sound distracted, it's because I'm thinking about future YouTube adventures. Uh, but with that, we're going to get into our questions. We got two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we go first to Twitter and Chris Lamb. Chris says, Rewatching Andor, I'm struck by the theme of traditions and culture. It both celebrates it with the Eldani, Ferex, and admonishes it with rigid Shandrillan practices and blindly receding into them for comfort escapism, uh, like Lita or the people of Ferex in Marva's speech. Star Wars is great at portraying complexity in both sides of the coin of a topic, but for this theme, both in and out of Star Wars, where do you see the healthy balance of using tradition to provide structure, order, and community Versus where it turns into a prison or means of escape. Uh, we're not starting with a light question, Ken. We're diving mm. right into a big idea in Star Wars. And as uh, Chris indicates, uh, also, you know, eh, kind of a thing that affects us all in, in uh, real life, too. Uh, where we find the balance between old tradition and, uh, and new tradition. So where do you go with this uh, in terms of Star Wars, in terms of Andor? Well, this is this is hard to answer. <laughs> I found myself, I was like, how do I say this with any kind of elegance, how do I say this, uh, you know, not speaking for other folks, uh, trying to represent myself and my own experiences in the best way possible, but also time to Star Wars. Uh, I, I love this in terms of Star Wars. I think this is absolutely what was at play in Andor for a lot of things. I think um, early on, one of the early trailers, uh, Joseph, you pointed out, I think correctly and and wonderfully about, uh, you know, we got on this planet, Ferrix, I don't even think we knew it was Ferrix at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of culture, a lot of, uh, um, you could say, um, native or local culture, uh, the empire encroaching on that and just kind of those themes that are at play a lot in Star Wars. And I think the show did a great job of that and showing, uh, as Chris said, both, both sides, which I hadn't thought about it, especially in terms of like the f people of Ferrix, Marva's speech, which I think is uh, definitely um, comfort, but where strength is drawn upon. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it shows up a lot uh, for me. Um, one of the big themes is in Star Wars is, you know, everyone matters without a doubt. But when you see a lot of overlooked cultures uh, like the Gungans and the Ewoks, the Twi'leks of, of, of Ryloth come to mind for me. 
of, of how it builds you up. It's a foundation. It's a core. It's your identity. It helps you know who you are. Uh, you can only maybe hope that people see the value in you and maybe you have to go out and, 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 um, just kind of be what you know you are. I think uh, look at the uh, Ewoks and that. Um, but it was Leia giving a cracker to Wicket that helped bridge that. <laughs> now to uh, uh, Boss Nass. It's all those kind of things that play. And and the thing that then the flip side, and, and I'll pass it back to you here. You got, I, I was even going to say the Jedi Order is mm. traditional rules that, you know, you and I have been discussing a lot about the danger of it, uh, how it can go too far, how it can trap you, uh, this example. And then I thought of the Lumens in Jedi Crash, the Clone Wars episode. Uwat mm. Ka holding on too tightly to some great ideas, both about their own culture there, pacifism, all that kind of stuff. You've brought the war to us, all things that you could probably nod your head and go, yeah, 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 but Anakin's dying and the war is coming to you. Uh, how best can you um, protect your people and, and, and keep going? Uh, and how that might... Um, trap you in a way or even mm -hmm. so that's my starting point on it then we can get into real life stuff too <laughs> yeah my starting point uh, i think to get to andor which i think is is playing with lots of great big star wars ideas and, and giving them lots of uh of nuance and specificity and, and spending quality time down in the idea you know we get to spend quality time on ferrick so this idea of the uh, you know what is what are the beliefs of this culture what why do they matter to the people we really get to feel and experience uh but i think for a starting point, I really agree with you. I think that Star Wars asks us to continue to question our beliefs. And mm -hmm. that to me is the sort of ultimate answer of Chris's question about how do you balance, you know, the great things about tradition, structure, order, community, um, mm -hmm. and, and where it turns into a prison or means of escape as, uh, as Chris says, I think that's the story of the of the Jedi's fall that they they get uh, too rigid. I think it's a part of uh, Luke's story going into the sequels that uh, Luke makes these mistakes, being rash and thinking about it as adventure, and, and Yoda kind of admonishes him to like take this seriously. This is really important, and then mm -hmm. he does to the point where he gets he gets rigid, right? And then Yoda's got to come back and be like, "Okay, mastery, great, you did it." <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm relax a little bit Luke it's not all it's not all rules right um and I think that that interaction between between Luke and Yoda is a is a lot of what this idea is is about that it, it's there and I thought about the Gungans and the Naboo as well and you know many other great examples of it but I think really with like the Jedi it often comes back to this story of the rules the tradition the order it is all good. Those ideas are good. But if we become obsessed with the letter of the law and just blindly follow the law because it's the law, we can sometimes lose the spirit of why were we doing this in the first place? What is the heart of the tradition? Why is it there? Let's not do tradition because that's the way we've always done it. Let's do tradition because we examine it and go, why do we do this? Does that still hold value? Does it still make sense? in the moment we're in, then let's keep doing it or let's let the tradition evolve. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like that's been a lot of the stories with the Jedi of like, you know, uh, Ahsoka walks away and, and is going through in different parts of her story, this journey of what is the core of being a Jedi? What do I believe it to be? And returns to specific ideas. I think that's what's happening in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show of he's re-examining mm -hmm. what it means to be a Jedi. And the, the, uh, answers usually come back to, uh, you know, connection, hope, trust, mm. helping others. And like, that's what all of the Jedi tradition is based in. 
But if you just become obsessed with doing it because it's the way we've always done it, you lose the heart of it. And, and I think that's why Star Wars is asking us to, to question uh, beliefs, r- rules, uh, because they can absolutely be wonderful tradition, but they can also kind of rot if we don't handle them the right way. Yeah, one of my favorite words you use in that is evolve and the idea that um, – because I wrote down just like – I put pro and con. It's like making a list of of, <laughs> of the, the, the good reasons and the bad reasons you might have or hold on to these things. You know, and it's simple stuff. It's, you know, pro, you got – it builds you up, buttercup, uh, foundation, core, <laughs> identity, all that stuff without a doubt. And the cons, obviously, it's it, it traps you. It's used to control you. You trap yourself. You stand behind it to keep others from you. And that's where I, I, I was focusing on this idea of, you know, you, you hold on to these things, you put these walls around you, and then you're not, you don't celebrate others. You don't understand the differences. It's important to learn the needs of others. And you're talking about evolve. And I think sometimes in even real life, when you're faced with the idea of change, progress, uh, personal or, or more uh, global evolution moving forward, you, 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 you feel so you're being asked to toss out all the things that made you, all the things that built you. And I think sometimes when you analyze it, going to your Jedi example. No, no, we're asking you actually to return to what is your foundation, what you are built upon, but just making sure it's, it's in line with what you're actually doing right now. Otherwise the, the, those, those traditions will say even more than cultures um, can absolutely be uh, uh, harmful towards others and towards yourself. You're not allowing yourself to grow. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what I see a lot of uh, with the Jedi. The Jedi led to their destruction, but um, I think even, even, you know, with casting himself, uh, tied to kind of the way of, of Ferrix. And there's a strength there. There's a community. There's a culture that's strong there. And I don't think that goes away. In fact, I think they all really find inspiration from that. But but I think he was he was allowed, he used that kind of what was around him to hold on to something uh, and not evolve, not to change until, until Luthen shows up and changes the game and everything needs to become something more. If that makes any sense, uh, it, it's... Um, it makes sense in my head about what, about what Andor did himself, his journey, his journey. Uh, he yeah. Was, he, he grew beyond Ferrix, but he is very much of Ferrix. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think for, there's a lot of different, as Chris points out, a lot of different examples of uh, tradition in mm-hmm. Andor. And I think for Ferrix and Marva's great speech about, you know, I think she kind of says it plainly. She's not critiquing the traditions or the community or the positive power of them on Ferrix. Uh, She's just saying, let's extend that to the rest of the galaxy. You know, Mm. what I see in Ferrix is that there is just such a strong sense of community. Everybody knows everybody else. Everybody seems quite clear. This is my reading of it. Things like that beautiful, you know, uh, funerary stone uh, philosophy it seems like every single human on Ferrix doesn't just say, that's what you do when somebody dies, you make them a brick. Why, don't question it. It seems like every single person there goes, we understand what that means. You know, mm-hmm. we understand what this tradition is about, that we, that we are all part of this community. We all hold each other up and we continue to do so even in death. We are never not a part of this community. We're always holding one another up. So like the why of the tradition is is in their minds. And to me, that, that's when traditions stay strong, when they're examined. And I think what Marva's saying is we, we in many ways have it, have it good because we know each other, 
We know the things that are different about each other. We know the things that bond us together. Uh, the time grappler banging out the start of our day and the end of our day. We're we're in unison in this beautiful way. Mm-hmm. We should take what's good about our community and extend that to the rest of the galaxy. I think it's best summed by you take that funerary stone and, and, and what it means and, and, and the big why of it, and you take it and you bash a stormtrooper in the head. <laughs> exactly. That's that's uh, <laughs> traditions evolving. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, and then, uh, well said, yeah. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Well said on all of it. And, and, and Chris is right. It's, it's um, both very simple, wonderfully complicated, both in Star Wars and our own world. Uh, yeah. so I never want to speak for anyone and their own experiences, but even some of my upbringing, you know, I can see with once you analyze, well, why did I do that? Let me actually ask myself why and what that led to. You might just change some things while retaining who you are. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I ran into that with different adults who just wanted me to do things or believe things because that's the way it is, period, and didn't want it questioned. And yeah. then other teachers and mentors who said, let's look back at the why of things and do you, do we want to keep doing this? You know, um, uh, and I feel like it, the great um, other examinations of culture and tradition in Andor, like Aldani, I think, is very much coded as uh, they have their in this classic Star Wars way, they're connected to nature. They have reverence for nature. They find meaning in the world around them where the empire, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's all, you know, uh, mechanical and it's all just a resource for them to exploit. Right. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that is, is that story is much more coded in that, you know, the empire's, you know, absolute disrespect for the Aldani's spiritual Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, and then I feel like the Chandrillan one is really fascinating because we're kind of talking about what's the balance of, you know, the positives of tradition, uh, versus when they become negative. But I think the Chandrillan thing is kind of, I think it's, you know, uh, Mothma and Vel having been a generation that questioned those beliefs and go, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what? We went back and we looked at the why of these beliefs and we decided that uh, they weren't worth the utter trauma of being forced to marry someone we didn't love when we were children. So, Aaron, looking at you. Aaron. Yeah. So like, I I feel like that's a story about like Mothma. Vel clearly questioned it and yeah. didn't do it. Mothma clearly questioned it, but still went along with it and is suffering for it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a story of, of they did look at the tradition and question it. And they said, maybe this is a tradition that's not helping us. Maybe this is a tradition that's hurting us. So it's frightening for uh, Mothma and Vel to see Lita getting back into it, you know? Yeah. Which, as we discussed on the show, was uh, it's her choice at this point. To yeah. Struggle that Mothma's got going on. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we definitely talking about the Star Wars of it, the Andor of it. I think we've probably uh, bled into talking about our, our real world takes on it. But do you have other thoughts on the on the real world balance, you know, for yourself and your own life experience be- between finding you know, comfort and joy in tradition versus feeling sort of in, in rigid or destructive lockstep with it? I, I think it is literally looking at uh, writing down the pros and the cons. Uh, you know, I haven't done that in my life, but I think over the course of time, I think discussing Star Wars has changed a lot of my uh, 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 views, but also uh, that the power of reaffirming what built you, uh, uh, the certain things you hold on to, the light that might be inside you. I think those are uh, that's part of this process as well. And I am someone, whether we be simply tech or you know what what I was told every Sunday morning all through my youth, uh, there was a lot of times that the walls were just up, and it was easier to be that way. 
and 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 once brick by brick they start coming down. I didn't smash any stormtroopers in the, in the face, for the brick. <laughs> but I've, I've I like to think I've become a better version of myself over the course of time. Uh, not that other people that you know this is where it gets careful. You know, I, I try to I'm trying to speak in general terms or what's just local to my own heart, but. You know, uh, those who have, uh, you know, the ones who have failed to evolve, analyze. I can go to my hometown and there's some people who have the same hairstyle I knew them to have in 1985, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lack of evolution, personal evolution. That can be dangerous. And and I think the 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 the, the fear that I had to face is, is well, but I, I like this part of me. You tell me I have to toss it all out. No, 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 no. And you're just analyzing why and analyzing where that goes. Uh, and if the Jedi had slowed down along long enough to, to to find that out, maybe they'd be still be around, and we'd have a different Star Wars story. But of course, that's not the point. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's complicated. It's wonderful, and I love that Star Wars has uh, addressed it through many forms of media. Yeah, yeah. No, I I really agree with you, and I think you know, for me, it's important to find balance between the new and the old. I'm somebody who really likes uh, history. I, I want mm-hmm. to see old buildings uh, preserved. Um, but I'm, but I also don't want it, don't want to be so stuck in the past where I'm like Saturday night live was only good these four years when I watched it <laughs> when I was yeah. 16, right. Uh, yeah. music, there's no good music anymore. I, I think it's kind of a, a, a threat on both sides that star Wars really wrestles with the sequel trilogy in particular. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the old should strangle the new, so it sh- should, can never come into be mm-hmm. into being. And I think the new shouldn't just obliterate the old right i think we we should find uh balance um mm-hmm. I, I i forgot uh some of the themes of this show i wrote in 2008 called an inconvenient squirrel which was kind of like a family-friendly pixar style adventure for the stage where myself and several friends uh played squirrels um mm-hmm. But a friend of mine recently produced it for teens and was like having me go over the script with them a little bit. And it's like, oh, I forgot I wrote all this stuff. Uh, but like the the central thing is there's the tradition in the squirrel village that you go to this one specific tree and it tells you what's what your name is based on mm-hmm. whatever attribute you are. You know, so like uh, mm-hmm. they, they might uh, see you, Ken, and say, well, well, sometimes he's grumpy. So he's grumpy squirrel and that's his identity forever. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> and the, the conflict is the there's the squirrel doesn't know who they want to be yet, doesn't know what they're what they're want their name to be yet, and kind of like questions everything. And their father flips out, and it, it was really it was really a, a play about these kinds of issues of got to question traditions, and it's not about hating the old traditions; it's about making room for the new traditions as well. So you have a balance between the old and the new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, love that. That's a great idea. Why is that not a Pixar film? Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just uh, last last thought, I was thinking about you know my own life and like what's the same, what's different of like uh, things like hey, so much time spent talking about thinking about uh, action figures, right? And uh, that's a tradition I've kept for myself since I was a child, but it's evolved and changed because it's not the eighties anymore, and right, right. they still mean something to me but they mean something different. So it is the old and the new. It's allowing traditions to evolve. Indeed. And you only get a better version of yourself down the line. We hope. That is right. All right. Well, that's our episode. Thanks, everybody. No, nope, we still got three questions uh, to discuss. Uh, great in deep question. Thank you so much, Chris. We're going to move on to a next question from Wookie Riot. Uh, Wookie says, in fairness, 
my day-to-day is full of off-worlders revering characters I feel differently about, but the other day overheard a kiddo about 8 to 10 telling his mom headed to the exit that it was morally questionable to have just flown a mission for Hondo Onaka. (laughs) Thoughts? Uh, The youngling made me smile is this is a common discussion of uh, perfectly legitimate business people, but wondered your opinions on problematic characters being idolized. Uh, The very knowledge levels of those who come to Star Wars, create new content, etc. Thanks, as always, for all you do. Uh, Some context. Um, We know uh, Wookiee Riot, our wonderful uh, listener, to uh, be somebody who works at Galaxy's Edge. So uh, I think think what Wookiee Riot is uh, talking about is um, seeing lots of different reactions to the different characters who are present at Galaxy's Edge and and specifically talking about um, the Smuggler's Run uh, Millennium Falcon ride that... (laughs) This kiddo was a uh, very uh, humorously questioning of like, was that was that morally right? The ride that we just did to, to serve Hondo Onaka. Uh, yeah. So great question and very funny. Ken, where do you where do you go with the specific Hondo question and the more general question of uh, our, our relationship with uh, liking characters who are maybe not to be idolized in the real world necessarily? Ooh. Oof, that, we might get to some deeper spots. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably Squirrel Ken might show up. Um, I, but first, I want to I want to chat with this kid. This is an amazing kid. Oh, eight, yeah. eight years old, eight to ten. To, uh, mom, mom, no, Hondo's done bad things. He has, he has. Uh, with the Hondo of it all, there is a bit of a an arc to that character that's slowly unfolded over time. You and I always remark going back to his, the early days of the Clone Wars. You know, he's definitely a pirate. He's funny. He's a pirate. He's a bad, bad weak way to begin with. Yes, uh, but in fi- but as his character starts to evolve, he's not just funny, Uncle Hondo. I think there's uh, maybe you focus on, and maybe what I would tell this kid, though I th- think this kid's probably smarter than me. But if we sat down and had a Ronto rap there at the restaurant, talk about how look, you know, Hondo has honor. He 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 he's built on that. Uh, let's maybe get the context of what let him hear how much was uh, done out of uh, survival how much did he push it too far uh, and where does he end up and I think in the in the end he uh, in his own Honda way maybe choose to chooses a side and maybe you can build on that not unlike say Han Solo for me growing up as a kid was uh, who, who I loved and I think Han is maybe less problematic uh, as as Hondo uh, just in terms of, of things he's done but you know we don't know all Han's resume I, I can't imagine it was all peachy keen there that he might have done some dastardly things um, yeah but it's it's that's where I'd start there that's where I'd start there uh, then get in we can get into the characters that uh, I think are misinterpreted a lot yeah, yeah, I think uh, starting with the Hondo at all is very fun. Uh, I admit I did not have time to kind of review the actual backstory of the Smuggler's Run ride. I've, I've been on it. I know there's that, uh, there's a, uh, I can't remember what age level, there's a book uh, mm-hmm. that that gets into exactly what you're doing. So I, I can't remember enough to speak to the morality of that specific run, whether whether Hondo's just doing a little something on the sly or if he's, you know, if he's stealing yeah. from the powerful or if he is <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. robbing another family, I don't remember, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, so can you remember? No, I cannot. I cannot. Yeah. I, I know through Rebels everything, he's become more classically good if you want to look at that way, but he's still on. Yeah. So that that's the thing that I have a stronger opinion about. Uh, I apologize. I, I ran out of time to to review uh, the the exact setup of the smuggler's run. It's called the smuggler's run. So it's it's smuggling. And I, I partook in it. I blew up a lot of TIE fighters, I think. Um, but for Hondo's journey, this was a great journey for me changing my mind. 
Uh, I did a 180 on my Hondo opinions uh, with our deeper Clone Wars rewatch and this last rewatch on Rebels. Mm -hmm. At first, I was kind of, uh, you know, I enjoyed him. He's he's so funny. The delivery is is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, the face turn, right? That's the wrestling uh, term, heel turn yeah. or face turn. Face turn, yeah. I, I was not sold on his face turn when Rebels first was broadcast uh, because I had, you know, just watched him like do a lot of vicious stuff yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the Clone Wars, kidnap children for money and such. And, you know, be a true threat who can almost hold his own with Anakin Skywalker. Like and and then he was wacky uncle. Right. Yes. Uh but that was just a surface level thing. So when I rewatched Clone Wars, they very clearly build in Clone Wars that, yep, he's a pirate. He is he is a bad, bad weak way who believes in it, that everybody is out for themselves. And so it's just, you know, that's the truth of the galaxy. If everybody's out for themselves, I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to play the game that everybody plays a little bit better than them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then there's those specific cracks where he clearly does have a soft spot for kids. Even after the, the gathering arc mm. in the middle of the gathering arc where he starts it by brutally and terrifyingly kidnapping or, you know, trying yeah. to kidnap yeah. children to sell. Uh, he does take Ahsoka. Um, when it becomes clear that the kids kind of need help, he has that soft spot, you know, yeah. Uh, and has that real nice talk um, in one of the Boba Fett arcs when when young Boba Fett is getting nothing but kind of horrific and, and hateful uh, messaging from Mora Singh. Mm -hmm. uh, Hondo's the one who kind of leans in and is like, hey, kid, you know, y your dad ha did have a code of honor. So maybe you want to have one, too. Uh, so I feel like the seed was planted in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Then in the years between Clone Wars and Rebels things are clearly not going well for him. Uh, he seems like uh, he has not kept himself in like tip top fighting shape, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and it makes sense then that he would have had experiences where he kind of came down a little bit and mm. some of that selfish and cocky baggage got, you know, mitigated and the part of him that, that cares uh, that is still out for number one and is happy to steal things. Uh, but a, a softer side of him is coming out with age. Yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me in the viewing. And, you know, I had kind of forgotten that it's, it's a building block for Ezra's character. You know, mm -hmm. Ezra starts off is also having that, like everybody's out for themselves. Why should I join a bunch of rebels who are foolishly helping other people? And then quickly realizes, Oh, Oh, that's great to help other people. And then he keeps seeing the best in everybody. You know, he sees the best in mall. <laughs> yeah. He sees the best in space whales. He sees the best in Hondo. He, he becomes somebody who really, connects and gives people a chance and hondo is one of the victories where he's still a smuggler he's he's, he's still a, a bad bad weak way <laughs> but he legitimately likes ezra and you know by the season finale he or series finale he answers the call he comes in and helps and fights with the rebels you know right right so i think his his journey makes a lot more sense to me so i think i would stand up for hondo a little bit more than i used to so maybe, <laughs> you turn around the line and tell this kid, keep watching. You didn't get the rebels, did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look, when his uh, kind of disturbing uh, horn beard gets a little longer, yeah. uh, his heart shines through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's how I feel about Hondo. But then there is this kind of larger question that Wookiee Riot is asking 
about, um, you know, I think like dark side characters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about them being being idolized. Uh, how? What? Where? I know you have uh, complex and powerful thoughts there, but where are you at these days? I, I just, I, I try to d- divide it up a little bit and acknowledge that, you know, again, I, I, I've joked before, but I'm someone who has almost every version of Darth Vader released in figure form, right? And mm-hmm. and and there's that part of Star Wars that is. That is the cool side. And, and uh, you know, without a doubt, I, I dress mostly in black these days. I know you do as well. And a red blade with black capes go together well. Like, super cool. <laughs> super cool. I have no problem with it. There's a lot of uh, just the mall design I love. And you and I are fascinated with some of the stuff with Dooku. I just think there there is a dividing line between, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I like a lot of Darth Vader stuff. I think it's cool when it goes down the hallway and, and slices rebels. And, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Seeing Vader go full Vader was pretty satisfying in a weird way as a Star Wars fan who, who spent mm-hmm. his whole life wondering that. And acknowledging that that exists, I think, you know, just the balance. Uh, talk about balance in the force. Balance and, 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 and making sure that the, the dark side appreciation doesn't um, – just wipe out the light. I think with in this era where you hear that term media literacy tossed around a lot, you just, I think you see a lot of misreadings of, of things uh, and, and everyone's got a, 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 a stream to get on and a podcast to, to make, which I, I think is actually great. Um, we're here for that. Um, yeah. I, it, it, it's, it's got real world implications and how, how you view pop culture is how you view the world. And if you're looking at, uh, if you can't get that Vader, th- that thing we've said a lot of, of Vader marches down a lot of hallways with all the power in the galaxy and never gets what he wants, which is more power and more destruction, and he's empty every time. I think if you miss that point and you just when you just want to praise Vader for his power and you want to see more powerful Vader, that's your right to do so. I think I understand some of that love just on a on a surface video game cool level. But I just I just worry about how that bleeds into other conversations about life, and that becomes the danger. Um, and I've had those real world arguments with friends, where you can trace how you misinterpreted this particular scene. And one friend tell me, "Well, Game of Thrones just is a entire show teaching you that the important, the only way to get power is through power." I think you've missed a lot. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Uh, particularly uh, George R. R. Martin, a Vietnam protesting Kent State era kind of student. I, I, I think he might be missing some of it. And that's where that's where I get very serious in the real world about it. Pretty yeah. fast, you know, but, but it's OK just to go. Also, it's pretty cool that Vader marches down the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, I'm with you. I think I like to think about it a couple of ways. I think what is. What is satisfying to view? Because I think storytelling can be a place where it's safe for us to play with dangerous ideas and even, you know, mm-hmm. kind of enjoy them, right? And and have action figures of them and, and yeah. have bed sheets of them when it uh, comes to Vader. Um, I, I think that is a fine and wonderful thing. I don't think all storytelling needs to be. Here mm-hmm. is, you know, a PSA where right people do the right thing the first time all the time. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, not helpful or interesting which is i think why star wars has a goal uh, as lucas has said and the storytelling has mostly continued in this path to to offer solutions or choices um when you're faced with with dark things and i think in order to make that story powerful and resonant uh the dark things are sometimes really dark mm-hmm. um and 
as a fan, you know, I have plenty of Vader merch. I have plenty of Kylo Ren merch. Uh, I love watching those scenes. I just watched Obi-Wan Kenobi and it's awful. It's a horror movie, but it's cool to watch Vader Mm -hmm. walk down the street just Mm -hmm. torturing and murdering people. So Kenobi knows what's coming. You know, yeah. uh, he, he's murdering people just so Kenobi knows, hey, this ain't your boy Anakin coming. Uh, I'm Vader. You know, mm-hmm. um, that stuff, I think, is, is really fun. And having the action figures and thinking they look cool is for me fun in the way that it is fun for, for us to allow ourselves to play with ideas of darkness in a safe way. Yeah. And then there's the story. What is the story? And, you know, what are we being asked to consider? And I think that the part of the conversation that can get muddy for me is, you know, taking two of the big ones as an example, taking Anakin and Ben, uh, they were manipulated by bad people. They had horrific things happen to them and they had mentors uh, fail them, not be there for them to make it through this. And in that way, they are entirely relatable. I totally understand and I feel bad for them. They were victimized and failed. But the whole point to me is, and then they didn't see any, any way out other than giving into it. hatred and anger and lashing out and causing other people pain, which does not fix their problem or anyone else's. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the, that can be the disconnect of like, of course I relate to them. Of course I think a ton of people failed. Uh, Anakin mm. but at the end of the day he makes his choice and he does not make anything better for himself or for anyone else he just hurts people and continues the cycle of violence so there's the I'll, I'll have a million Vader action figures I will tell you that the Rogue One hallway scene is one of my favorite cool scenes yeah. in Star Wars but then I also want to engage with the meaning of it of you know uh, Lucas's Star Wars is almost entirely a don't be Darth Vader and here's why yeah yeah, no, I love what you're saying. And, and the flip side, I'm, I almost feel like I need to be f- uh, fair. Uh, no, you know, there's it's easy to point at those who are um, who idolize Vader a little too much. But I, also, I want in, in my stories, even in the uh, high fantasy space opera stuff, I want my, my my villains to be able to be villains so that the lessons can be there, that the story points can be there. There was a, a lot of discussion around some of the stuff Kylo said to, to Ray, particularly in Rise of Skywalker. That is bad. And there was a lot of people like, just how could this make it into the movie? Well, because it, it look at the context and look at who's saying it. Look at why he's saying it, saying it. Look what he's trying to get out of it. And I enjoy that as much as, as the other stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a well-rounded kind of uh, uh, Star Wars story for me. And uh, I, 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 so I defend that side of it too. I defend the villains being the villains. But it's, I, think, I think it's if, if you can't pull that apart, and you're you're over there fist pumping, going, yeah, Kylo's right. Eh, yeah, I don't know, then maybe. maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it can get to be a really uh, complicated question, and you know, in particular, Star Wars. There's something about Vader in particular where uh, I think everybody gets who he is, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he's just become this very safe way to play with the idea of of you know darkness. You know, he's bed sheets and socks everywhere. <laughs> Lots of Vader, lots of Vader. Uh, and yeah, and I know that's just a larger conversation going on on social media where mm-hmm. um, the that uh, we, we want villains to be able to say awful things so we can play with awful ideas. And that doesn't mean that the story is advocating for them, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Kylo, yeah, Kylo is saying awful things to Rey about what she should believe. And I think this, the story makes it pretty clear that's not what the story believes. That's what Kylo is saying. Yeah. And, and, you, and as a creator and a writer, what you always you know want to make sure you're asking yourself, am I saying this the best, best way possible? Right. Uh, there's, there's ways to approach it and there's bad ways to do it. I want to make sure I say that. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. But I am uh, going to Disneyland uh, soon, so I'm going to review Hondo Naka's story, and I'm going to decide if I feel morally comfortable going on Smuggler's Run again. <laughs> I think you should put out an open call to this kid. We'll track down this kid, and he can meet you at uh, the canteen over a Ronto wrap. And you can find <laughs> I can't. I'm so excited now to to review the story behind this ride and mm-hmm. uh, and see oh, how I feel about the morality of Smuggler's Run. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we take a break? Uh, wonderfully complicated and I wouldn't want it any other way exactly alright we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And we are back to take more cues of the force. We're going to our patrons on Patreon. This one comes to us from Jonathan Curdy. Jonathan says, hello, Force Center. Ever since Tales of the Jedi, I have been obsessed with the possibilities of more Star Wars shorts series. If Star Wars released a short series about a particular Star Wars location with stories taking place there anywhere along the timeline, what locations would excite you to have a show about? Two that come to mind for me, the Hall of Fame choice, Dex's Diner, and also uh, the temples the rebels operated out of on Yavin. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Ah, those are Dex's Diner. Huge fans here. Love it. Uh, yeah, it framed as uh, Dexter's story time where he tells you about a different person who came into his diner and had a fight would be great. Uh, but also, I, I just want to ask you, Ken, first about this idea of uh, the, the temples on Yavin. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you had a short series, I'm sure you could visit the time the rebels were there, but go back in time, those are ancient, right? The ancient Masasi Temple and see a little bit more of their history. Would you be into that? Uh, absolutely. The Dr. Afra comic series, one of the runs touched on a little bit. It kind of starts out there post mm. Battle of Yavin. It goes into a little bit of the history, but it's still a lot unknown, at least as far as I can remember. So, yeah, that'd be great. And, yeah, halfway through this uh, question, Jonathan, I yelled out to myself, Dex is down. Oh, he got it. He got it. Okay. <laughs> nice. So what else would you choose? Uh, what location do you think yeah. has a lot of story potential? This is great. By the way, I want to shout out there. There's this comic run with the, the Halcyon, the, the hotel the, mm. the thing, but there's a comic series that I have. And it's like one of those things you just kind of got, it, it was in my stack because uh, of duty, right? I collect Star Wars comics. It's in my stack. And I read it. And I really liked it. I actually really liked it. It, it goes all through jumps back and forth in time. And that, that ship's seen a lot of history. And is it a, is it a marketing tool to get you to the hotel? Sure. I want to go. And when I go, I'm going to have a little bit more knowledge and, and appreciation of the history of that ship has, uh, which is uh, one of the ways I like to engage with Star Wars. So I want to highlight that one as well. But here's some ideas I have. Uh, the Jedi archives. Just have Jocasta New sit there and explain everything uh, and go through mm. of, of Jedi that have come through. Is it the most exciting show? It might be a little NPR, but I think it would be. <laughs> I would love that. I love the character of Jocasta New. So like, man, uh, if, if she was just the host and it was younglings, but if we also traveled back to like the first time young Jocasta New walked into the library. Yeah. Or, you know, Yoda getting a, you know, I have a question and whoever's before Jocasta knew who's the archivist before. Like, yeah, it'd be, be a fun, uh, a fun thing for me. Yeah. Jocasta knew is, you know, definitely portrayed as this sort of like the, uh, the, the matron, right. Uh, mm-hmm. The old respected, we see in the Vader comics that she's still got skills and everything. But do you yeah. think when Jocasta knew first walked into uh, the Jedi archives, w- was she like a punky goth teen? Yeah, I think there might have been, because it's easy, I guess the stereotype would be like she was kind of the bookwormy, quiet, um, nerdy Jedi that didn't know her place. I, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think you necessarily need to do that. Not every libra- librarian is that, right? So she could be, uh, you know, Joan Jett walking in <laughs> from 76 <laughs> uh, and with a growl and discovers that, you know what, I thought my mission here with the Jedi Order was one place and now it's this. And I've... Uh, Discover that this is truly me. That'd be, a, you know, an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, Jocasta Jet. There you have it. There's 
There's the mm-hmm. mashup we need. Uh, I love that. Um, I know I was on about this on a recent episode, but uh, I just love to spend some more time on Naboo. Uh, mm-hmm. I think particularly jumping around like real ancient history, because that's clearly a society that has, you know, that continues to evolve and is very aware of the current moment, but has a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. traditions and uh, obviously just even in like uh, the garments, the regalia, the statues, you know, there, there's a, such yeah. a sense of history that that would be really interesting. Um It'd be fun to see the dark chapters of the bad times between the Naboo and the Gungans and what happened from different people's perspectives. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd have more Padme stories. Let, let's see Padme uh, try to guess the names of the birds singing. Yeah, let's get Paulo up in here. Uh, yeah. Why not? Um, I know we've got in the uh, comic books, I know we've got the uh, Amidalans during the sort of galactic Civil War-ish era, right? Yeah. Um, so we could do some stuff in, in animated form. You know, I think uh, Naboo is a is a great uh, resource, a great location in Star Wars I'd love to see more of. I uh, agree with that. agree with that one there. I tossed a couple. I, I have a, a, a city, a planet, and a ship. Uh, oh, right. Cloud City. Mm. There's been content there before, but just in this official capacity, almost a Deep Space Nine in Star Wars kind of vibe, right? Mm. <laughs> that. Uh, they have touched upon it in comics and touched upon it in wonderful ways. Mustafar's and just... Infinitely uh, intriguing place for me. Uh, Vader's castle again. I know there's a lot of the, the origin of it, the planet, what it was before, the the mask of Momon, all that kind of stuff. But to actually kind of formalize it and put it into kind of a a show or something like that, I, I'd be in, into that. Speaking of Vader stuff, and then uh, here's a here's a wild card one: the Millennium Falcon. Oh. You know, and it's been around. There's again some storytelling. You and I were joking uh, recently. You know, the uh, the original Han Solo books, uh, the original Lando ones, both featured the Falcon. Uh, but that's a ship that's been a lot of spots. You could get. Here's what I would want. I would want the series to start with whoever was flying it into port on Coruscant in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and where did Lando find it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that could have been Lando, could could have been someone else, uh, but just getting that getting that answer and starting from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of take that if if that uh, if one accepts that as canon, uh, that that uh, Lando's a little young to be flying it in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's, <laughs> I, know, I, I think there is some storytelling out there of the, the Falcon through the years. I, I I recall something coming out, so I'm gonna have to seek that out to make sure. Yeah, again, putting it in the uh, show form is uh, something I'd be interested in. Maybe Hondo has stole it for smuggling throughout the years. See. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one's almost a little bit jokey for me, uh, but uh, a, a show called Tree Trials. And it's just all sorts of different uh, force sensitive people uh, going through the Dagobah tree through the years. Oh, there you go. I like that. Like uh, and do you have one more? No, no, that's it. Cloud City, okay. Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Cloud City, I'm all down with too. Man, it's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. I want to spend some more quality time there. Uh, great question, uh, Jonathan. We're going to move on to our final question from Justin Jacobson. Uh, Justin is referencing a recent episode and says, uh, Force Center, and says, uh, Jennifer Landa's mention of hot wampas has me wondering about these fine, free beings. Are they sentient? Do crime lords keep them as ferocious pets like they do with rancors? And what do you think they look like without fur? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, truly, the hard-hitting question there at the end. Uh, yeah, there's the wampa that popped up in the trailer for a Jedi Survivor video game uh, that we all described in different ways. It's clearly a different looking Wampa, not on Hoth. And uh, Jennifer uh, uh, really knocked it out of the park with uh, that hot Wampa. <laughs> hot Wampa. Yeah. It's a, like it's a Wampa from Zoolander. That Wampa is so hot right now. <laughs> um, 
So uh, some of Justin's questions are kind of straightforward from different Star Wars storytelling. Looked it up on Wikipedia. Wikipedia has a great uh, section in the main Wampa article called Wampas in the Galaxy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, their, uh, their hides uh, show up at lodges uh, in Trandoshan from Trandoshan Hunters, uh, the mm-hmm. Clone Wars arc uh, with a Garnax hunting guild. Uh, we see a Wampa hide on uh, the uh, planet Waska. Um, then this article also says, at one point during the High Republic era, a still-living Wampa was consumed by a Drenger. Good to know. Uh, during her childhood, Jin Erso owned a doll resembling a Wampa. Uh, the TIE fighter pilot who flew under the call sign Black Eleven was nicknamed Wampa. Uh, and in his palace, Gracchus the Hutt owned, among other creatures, a Wampa. That's from the comics, I believe. And um, then from good old Disneyland... Uh, uh, a single wampa hide could be found in Doc Ondor's Den of Antiquities on Batu. So, it is this weird thing to me, Ken, where we were introduced to them on Hoth, mm-hmm. uh, but they clearly have either made it out into the galaxy, or people have gone to Hoth and taken and hunted them, <laughs> yeah. or taken them off off Hoth uh, to you know uh, be beasts of in in bestiary and collections. So, uh, where do you go with this? I yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, my my view of them is always a, is a, is a hoth animal. Uh, but uh, the hot wampa will lead us forward, and and there's all these wonderful examples of, of wampas being other spots that I wasn't too familiar with over the years. Um, so I, in, in look, a wampa's not going to start talking to you, right? It's, yeah. it's not going to do that. But I consider them. I don't know, dog like, primate like. I, I consider. I I think there's probably. Uh, uh, forms of communication. <laughs> I think there's, I'd love to see like eight of them hanging out in a cave. I'd love to, maybe there's some wars between them. I, I do attach some of those uh, to them. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to see, you know, do they got to, you know, I think it's possible, all the example Gracchus and all these ones, it seems that there's like this, a wampa in captivity is used to, um, number one, it's negative for the wampa, but maybe whoever, you know, they'd unleash one in, a, in, a, in an arena setting or something like that, like in a video game mode. But what if, what if you raised a wampa from youth? Uh, mm. Which I don't know what you call baby wampas. Like I'm, I'm pitching that they're called wimples or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and, and you raise this wimple going forward. Could it be like domesticated in a certain way? I got nothing, mm. nothing that you want to or that's a good thing, but maybe you rescue one. And, you know, it's like those stories of, you know, they were lost for years, but that lion remembered Ted when Ted came back to visit them. <laughs> Would it be one of those sweet stories? Not the negative one to the end bad, but uh, Ted was eaten by that lion he raised. Now, um, could, could, could you change a wampa's heart is the question I have. Yeah. I mean, like, we both love the Rancor story in Book of Boba Fett where it said kind mm-hmm. of explicitly, right? Like they are very strong and they can be amazing uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. animals of, uh, of power and in danger and they're great at eating people. Uh, but that's not all they are. It depends on how you raise them. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to believe that the same is true of wampas. Uh, the, the, the fun thing for me with wampas is there's, there are these kind of collection of creatures from the original trilogy that we, the audience grew up with. So then over all the years of star Wars storytelling references pop in, uh, to, inside the galaxy right where you have yeah. things i'm thinking jawas banthas wampas right uh you have you know jawa juice and things like that and mm. there is always that like well now we know that jawas are at least on our vala seven right but like mm. there's always that like we the audience know that term wampa but how much do people in the 
galaxy know it? How far flung are these animals? You know, mm. uh, which makes me really curious. Of like, are they native to Hoth? Did they start on Hoth and did they get taken from there? Or is this like, you know, uh, a species that has somehow proliferated throughout the galaxy? And those are Hoth wampas, but hot wampas come from a different region. <laughs> Different, the 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 uh, southern hot wampa, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a uh, do you have a head cannon that they all start on Hoth and somehow some of them made it out into the galaxy, or the legend of them made it out into the galaxy, or do you think yeah. that the wampers are many other places? I I like that they're still predominantly found on Hoth or cold weather environments. Maybe how they got out there, I don't know. That's that's a story to tell. But yeah, and that all other versions of them are. Uh, uh, adapted version of evolution in, in, in play there, I guess. Uh, Wampa yeah. sheds his white fur when he goes to Tatooine. Um, <laughs> I just, I think, but I think that's childhood uh, bias there of just that's mm-hmm. where the Wampas were. I, I, never, I, I never, <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah. Sounded like where the wild things are, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, matching a bunch of Wampas dancing. Yes, there you go. Where the wampas are, where the hot wampas are. That's going to be our Star Wars uh, children's book. Who we'll be pitching. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I love that idea. I love the the idea of Trandoshans. You know, just wearing so many furs uh, on on Hoth, trying to <laughs> hunt wampa. Uh, yeah, so like in Fort Ipso and and on Vandor. Oh, they, yeah, that would make perfect sense, right? Um, yeah. I also just like that maybe if they started on Hoth and, you know, over the years, you know, a few smugglers have hit out there or whatever, that kind of thing, and a wampa just kind of wanders onto the ship. <laughs> yeah. Ends uh, up somewhere else. Uh, most important part of Justin's question, what do you think wampas look like without fur? I think um, having a chihuahua that has half fur and then her underside her stomach and she has no fur it's the weirdest it's just funny like really truly no fur uh i think i think wampas are like little pink dogs yep i'm mm-hmm. with you you see those uh pictures sometimes of the uh the furless cats yeah mm-hmm. yep. yep yep uh i think they look uh cute but wrinkled and menacing all at the same time yeah and the effect of it's like when i shave for the first time in years people are like whoa like that's the feeling you get when you see a hairless wampa Absolutely. You look so much younger. <laughs> I hope Cal Kestis yells that at Hot Wampa. You look so much younger. <laughs> we die? will find out. I'm sorry, what was that? Did you dye your beard? It used to be white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope it is a midlife crisis, Wampa, that that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Uh, that is great. Oh, well, that is our Wampa question. That is all of our questions. We're going to move on to our power of the light side. This is a segment where we ask uh, patrons for something positive about their journey in Star Wars. Uh, and we've got uh, a couple of great entries that have come in in the last couple of weeks. So we'll keep getting to them. Ken, this is an epic entry. Uh, we always encourage uh, people when they're asking a question to, you know, or answering any sort of prompt to to give us context. We like context. We want to understand where people are coming from, what their perspective mm-hmm. is. Um, I don't know that we can do entries this long all the time because this is truly <laughs> epic. Uh, it was sent in to us by uh, Brian Babcock and Brian acknowledged, hey, I just really wanted to share and I went long and Brian offered a, a, a too long, didn't read version. Uh, but he had broken it up in three parts. So I figured like, hey, you know what? Why not? Let's just uh, share the whole thing. It'll be a great test of uh, endurance for both of us. So, mm-hmm. uh, Ken, I'm going to read the first part and then uh, I will pass it off to you for part two. Sounds great. 
Are you are you buckled up and ready? I took a sip of water. I'm ready to go. All right. Brian says, hello, Joseph and Ken. I want to start by apologizing for the essay. I tried to keep it short, but I just couldn't stop writing. I put a TLDR at the bottom if you don't want to read out the whole thing, which I totally understand. Well, we're gonna. Uh, Brian also says, one of my last cues of the force, Joseph mentioned that he was always curious about the experiences of those who grew up with the prequels and how the movies were perceived. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to give you my experience as a lifelong Star Wars fan. Part one, The Force Awakened. I've mentioned it in a previous entry, but for the sake of recap, I was born in 1986, so the original trilogy was already wrapped by the time I was born. My dad showed me the films when I was three or four, so I have no recollection of seeing them for the first time. I remember always loving them, but where my memory gets blurry is at some point I had basically forgotten about them, likely because Jurassic Park started to consume my life in 1993. However, Christmas Day, 1994, my entire family was over doing the usual Christmas traditions. Me being the youngest in the family at the time by a fair amount often had me feeling left out of conversation, so I'd often slink off to my room to play with my toys or Sega Genesis and so on. On this particular day, I felt like watching a movie. Opening the drawer to peruse the VHS collection, I saw the original Star Wars VHS set, now with hi-fi, and thought, wow, it's been a long time since I've watched these, and I put a new hope on. I was almost instantaneously sucked back into the world of Star Wars and did not take my eyes off the screen. One might say the force had been awakened in me. After A New Hope finished, I immediately put Empire Strikes Back on, completely forgetting about reality or the concept of time. Once Empire Strikes Back was finished, I started Return of the Jedi. (laughs) About 15 minutes into it, my grandpa walked into my room and said, geez, we were starting to think you had ran away. (laughs) Everybody's getting ready to leave. I ran downstairs, said my thank yous and goodbyes, then back up to finish Return of the Jedi. As fate would have it, a few months later in 1995, I'd be walking through the Sears toy aisle with my mom and out of the corner of my eye, I'd see this orange streak that looks an awful lot like a picture of a lightsaber blade. I turn and there I am facing a wall of new and shockingly buff Star Wars figures. Luke, mm-hmm. Han, Obi-Wan, Chewie, R2, and 3PO, a stormtrooper. Chewie again. Started jumping up and down on the spot. I just couldn't believe it. My mom called me down and said she would treat me to two. I got Han in a stormtrooper to do battle against. That's part one. I'm passing it off to you, Ken, for part two. Ah, uh, Han and Storm, that's a great plan with your toys. Part two, writes Brian, search your feelings. Fast forward to 1997, something I never thought I'd have happened. The opportunity to see Star Wars films in the theater. Not only that, with new footage, I saw each film multiple times at the theater and was in total awe each time. I love seeing all the new footage, and I thought it was such a unique experience to see movies I've seen countless times in an entirely new way. I had no idea around the time episode was was nearing release that people generally hated the changes in the special editions. Now that I'm older, I could do without some of the changes, but overall, I still accept it as my versions of the original trilogy. I know both of you have stated that you were often bullied for your love of nerdy stuff. I, too, was picked on and mocked, but never actually punched or assaulted because of it. Mainly just open ridicule. It has was not yet cool to openly love geek culture. I recall someone in my class telling me it was pathetic that I still played with toys when I was 11. The day before the last day of grade seven, I offered to bring in Star Wars for the class to watch on the last day of school. <laughs> the next day, I brought a movie in to watch. Another kid stood up saying they brought in Men in Black for everyone to watch. When asked who wanted to watch Star Wars, I was the only one to put up my hand. Well, I wow. love Men in Black as well. I was pretty hurt and I'm reminded of that moment anytime I see Men in Black. <laughs> I love that movie too, but yeah, I did it. Uh, that was the first moment where I truly felt like an outlier that I was the only one left my age that still truly loves Star Wars. At that point, I started keeping it to myself. 
I think the lead up to episode one was the same for all of us. Throw a stone and you're bound to hit something Star Wars. The lineup to snatch up the new three and three quarter figures wanting to eat a Taco Bell and pizza for the character. <laughs> I remember my mom driving me to the only Walmart near our house, which was about 30 minutes away. So I could see if there was new figures. When I finally got to see the movie, I was overjoyed. It seemed the love of Star Wars had returned for everyone. I ended up seeing it four times total at the theater. Of course, once again, having no idea that many people were maligning it until the VHS came out. Watching it with my mom and stepdad, the latter not really being interested in Star Wars, kept saying stuff like, oh, this is that Jar Jar guy that everyone hates. And oh, those racist alien characters they were talking about on the radio. I thought he was insane. But slowly and surely I heard, more, heard it more and more. When episode two came out, I was a moody 15-year-old. That was the first and only Star Wars film I left the theater disappointed in because I was hoping that George was listening to fan complaints and making something more like the original films. Instead, he doubled down on his creative choices. I wasn't talking to anyone about Star Wars. I wasn't buying the toys. I feared I'd never get a girlfriend in high school if I was found out I was still buying Star Wars toys and so on. I started to think something was wrong with me because despite getting older, I still love Star Wars. I'd also like to add that I have come to love episode since come to love episode two now <laughs> back to joseph for part three here we go part three rise of the nerd walker is how brian has titled this uh when episode three was ramping up for release i started to notice a change in people's reaction to star wars subtle but noticeable my excitement had returned fully as well as my desire to buy the toys i started being more open about my love of star wars not really caring about what people thought of that at that point, I was in my last year of high school. I had become uh, one of those guys that could float between the jocks, the nerds, and the in-betweens, so I wasn't too concerned if people looked down on me for openly loving geek stuff. After the movie released, I suppose I became known as the Star Wars guy because people I had never expected to talk to me about Star Wars started openly talking to me about it. Even the girl I had a massive crush on since the 10th grade, who incidentally was in the popular girl group, told me she went to see it and liked this scene and that scene. I was so taken aback, I almost thought she was playing a prank on me. Even a few of the other uh, jock types mentioned that they thought it was awesome. I recall one of them approaching me and saying, so uh, the lightsabers in the movie are fake, right? I said, yes, obviously. He said, well, yeah, I mean, they're not actually lasers, but they're just like uh, beams of light. Like if I swung on at this table, it would just go through it, right? <laughs> I said, uh, if you mean what they use when filming the movie, the lightsabers are literally just sticks and they digitally add the laser bit over the top. He replied, oh, that's lame. And then he walked away. <laughs> I think he may have uh, smoked one too many death sticks. I feel that was around the time that geek culture started to take over, where it was becoming okay to like comic book movies, video games, Star Wars, Star Trek, etc., etc. And it has clearly been on the rise ever since. I know I have since embraced it on an almost unhealthy level. <laughs> uh, I have a Star Wars tattoo. I put all my old figures out on display, though I've since had to put most away to make room for my uh, 47 and counting hot toys, 39 of which are Star Wars. I know, I have a problem. If you read this entire thing, I thank you and appreciate you. I love you guys and all you do for Star Wars fans. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you, and thank you for sharing that epic adventure. Uh Ken, one of the things that I love about this, besides all of just the, the you know, uh, individual interesting uh, pictures and stories, is that, you know, our, our relationship with Star Wars, like most things in life, isn't necessarily a straight line, right? It doesn't go from I hated it to I loved it, right? It's, it's complex. It's interwoven uh, with our lives and what's going on in larger culture. So it's, it's great to hear this, uh, this story of all of the ups and downs and when it found Brian. 
Yeah, and 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 I talk about the shared but unique journey we all have, and a lot of it uh, uh, runs parallel, but just different decades, right, or time, or you know, I think Brian's about ten years younger than me, right? So it's like, I, yeah, I experienced all the stuff he did, and and it's comfort. There's comfort in that retroactive comfort, right? Now that I know, I'm I I was alone on that playground at Margaret Hollow Elementary School in Rio Grande, California, but there was many others like me, and we were all battling through the same thing. Uh, and yeah, and and knowing that uh, once Star Wars is in your heart, it is a lifelong journey that has some twists and turns. Yeah, yeah, and it's just always great to hear the the different ideas of you know people find it at different ages. I do love that, and I and the way it interacts with us, not just because of you know. The age, but the, the idiosyncratic of when did I first sit down and, and watch those? And was it on VHS? Uh, was it, you know, yeah. it's going to be increasingly, uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I was making too much noise and I was given an iPad. <laughs> and said, mm-hmm. be quiet and watch The Phantom Menace. And that's how I first encountered Star Wars. <laughs> that stuff's going to come up. But so it's, it's great to hear what's different. And then it's so great to hear, like, what's the same? Because as we were reading, like, I had this instinct to be like, well, I want to tell Brian about what I thought of the Attack of the Clones action figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because even though, you know, we went through it at different times, different ages, you know, some of it is the shared journey that you're talking about. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's so great uh, to celebrate. Yeah. A lot there. This is an epic uh, story. I mean, I mean uh, any comments almost don't do it justice, Brian. Uh, um, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening are nodding, nodding their head. Going, yep. yep, get that, been there, done that in the most warm, wonderful, comforting way. Yeah, yeah. So my final thought will say, I, I, I don't think it's unhealthy to uh, have a lot of Star Wars action figures. Uh, maybe that's my perspective as someone who has a lot of Star Wars action figures. But personally, I think it's fine. Uh, any final thoughts, Ken? Well, on that, I I think it is fun. I think we all know when maybe, you know, it's too much, it's a storage issue or, you know, uh, I've done as much as I can to clean up my background on my shot, uh, you know, so I don't, I'm not looking like I'm about to die buried in figures, but also I, 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 that's what the other half of my room looks like. Right. You know, so it's just a genetic thing I'm trying to do. And, and I I go back to the story when I was uh, getting fully into the digital media world. And uh, just around the time I met you as well, but I was, you know, doing Jedi Alliance with with Maude Garrett, who was you know, ten years younger or so with me. She was a special edition uh, Star Wars baby. Uh, there, I, I was talking to my buddy Scott Manson, just trying to. I, well, I got to figure out what else to do. I can't be talking about Star Wars when I'm fifty. And he just looked at me and just like, well, why not? And, and his point to that was, we don't, we haven't got there yet. We don't know what mm-hmm. that looks like. We're at a new time, a new era where the, the Star Wars is not just. You know, I have so like I'm a big G.I. Joe fan, Transformers fan, and there's been some wonderful things done with those properties. But those were designed to be toys, designed to be a little bit different than Star Wars and what George intended. And Star Wars, Star Trek or Lord of the Rings, those big things, they hit you. They hit our generations in such a way that going forward and collecting them is truly just it's, it's representative of who we are. And yes, can you have too much? Yes, I stopped buying Funko Pops. Not because I don't love them, because I knew I needed to stop. I also needed to get food. <laughs> like, like that's, that's what it's too much. But I, I it's, it's, and, and there, and, and trust me, there's still, you know, Joseph, you run into too. There's still sometimes the, the, the people looking down on, on you with mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I, I try to understand their perspectives on it too. Uh, but, but we are in a new wonderful era going forward where it is not just simply, uh, nerd stuff. It is just the stuff that truly built us. And, and, and I love celebrating that time and time again, it means a lot when you get that Leia figure or you get, I'm looking at a Lego Wampa I have, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. looking at my desk right now. Um, it just represents, uh, what we learned and who we are. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think as long as you you are uh, square with yourself about what you're doing and why. I've had some times where I took uh, breaks from uh, collecting because it was financial or because, you know, maybe it was a window where like uh, I was using the collecting to not think about other things that I needed to address. So I pushed pause, you know, and, you know, came back to it and maybe I'll, I'll do that again. I think it's all all about the personal. And yeah, I think. I think it's great to think about, you know, we all can take things that we uh, love when we're young uh, to bring it back to our first conversation <laughs> about traditions and evolving. We can all take things that we love when we're young and our relationship with them can evolve. Uh, final thing I'll say, I had a nice conversation with my dad um, this weekend, phone call about uh, some of this stuff about generational change. And because he, he was telling me about it, like, I talked to this other guy who's got a Star Wars truck. It's everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, and he was like, but you know, when I think about it, he's like, when I was a kid, I like Westerns and I got my first car when I was real young and I had car magazines and dreamed about cars and mm -hmm. you know, I, all he's like, uh, and I like this kind of music. And he's like, and I still like all that stuff. So there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really yeah, great, yeah. Really great perspective. Yeah, I could go more on it too. It's just fascinating study. There's a, I was watching part of that Moon Age Daydream David Bowie art documentary. It's a, more of an art piece than documentary. Just a great quote of quote of him like, you know, in, in our times, as he, this is early 70s Bowie, like my father got a job and went home to his family because that's all he thought to want. That's all, the, all that generation wanted. This generation now is searching for a place. It's searching for identity. It's searching for who they are. So our needs and our wants and our desires are a little bit different and it's moving forward. And I think that's when a lot of this kind of pop culture stuff came in and spoke to a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, well said. We could clearly uh, go on, uh, mm -hmm. but this is a very fun episode of Cues of Force. Everything from hot wampas to <laughs> yeah. the importance of questioning traditions and evolution. Uh, that's all Star Wars. Thank you, everyone, for your great questions. And thank you, uh, Brian, for the wonderful power of the light side submission. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, if you want to connect with us, share your own stories, all that good stuff, you can reach out on a lot of different spots like Twitter. Force Center Pod is where you can find us there. On Hive Social at Force Center. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and, as we mentioned previously, YouTube as well. New shows uh, coming there soon. Figure Fights and a lot more. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get a Star Wars shirt and tell the world you like Star Wars. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly. Support uh, me if you want at Kednapsuck, Kednapsuck.com. You can link to my Patreon page. New shows like my podcast, The Blathering, Pop Rock and Radio and a whole lot of other things. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. I'm still on Twitter. Uh, love to grow on Instagram. I'm on Hive. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on TikTok. You can find me all those places by uh, searching for Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can find me on YouTube searching for Joseph Scrimshaw as well. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the ambiguous morality of Hondo Onaka, this has been Cues of the Force. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.